what we're seeing right now is that if we're going to operate any sort of company right now during a pandemic or even any economic downturn, everybody needs to be on the same page and they need to be executing on the simple tasks of their job perfectly. We've got Luke Carrignan on the show today to talk about his area of expertise, and that is staffing and RPO. We dive into the current state of staffing, workforce reinvention, and digital transformation, hashtag buzzwords, the future of remote work, and how technology can help us execute perfectly and work together through challenging times. This was an awesome conversation that Devin and I had. Check it out. Welcome to the Talent Experience Show, your look at what's happening right now in recruitment talent acquisition, talent management, and of course, everyone's favorite, HR tech. I'm Devin Foster. And my name is Tom Tates, and we are on the marketing team at Phenom. And uh, you know what, Devin, I think I'm going to save paying the bills until later in the episode uh, and and not give the formal Phenom pitch uh, because I have a super exciting guest that we'll be bringing on to this specific episode. We've been saying, I guess, for, for six, seven weeks now that we're going to invite some other voices onto the podcast. We're going to get some other people to uh, lend their expertise. And we really only did that one time, right? So <laughs> we've been doing a disservice to our podcast listeners. And uh, without further ado, uh, I want to invite a fellow phenom onto the show. Uh, Luca, wel- welcome. Oh, Tom and Devin, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks. I'm, I'm actually honored that you asked me to be on here. Like so much so. I've been looking forward to it all night. There's there's a reason there's a reason we asked you to be on here and uh, we'll get into that right now uh, and then I'm going to turn it over to you Luke just to k- give a quick introduction on who you are what you do at Phenom and and your background in the industry but the reason why we asked you to be on the show uh, is not because of your uh, amazing HR experience I mean that's part of it but it's because we discovered uh, that you're a fellow podcaster uh, and you have such an amazing show that that you kicked off and been really inspiring for me to listen to, especially in this kind of lockdown mode we're in. So I'm going to date the episode now. You know, it's the, the second week in May and we're still in lockdown here in Pennsylvania. So uh, you did an episode on gratitude uh, on the Bo and Luke show. Uh, and I just thought it was such a f- fantastic listen. And as soon as I listened to that, Devin and I, we had a quick conversation and said, you know, we have to, or we have to get Luke on the show, you know, and uh, I'm super excited that, that you decided to jump in. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Uh, Bo and Luke show has been a journey. We're still new at it, but you know, it's just, it's two guys that are on a quest for personal and professional development. So it's funny because I feel like we get just as much out of it as hopefully we give to the listeners, you know, so it's been a, been a pleasure. It comes through. It really does. And I'll invite everybody to check out uh, the Bo and Luke show. We're going to put a link in the show notes so we can make it super easy and accessible for you to check that out. Uh, How many episodes do you have now under your belt? I think we're we're only up to about 15, but we've been recording about two per week and we only drop them once per week. So we have, I think, like five or six weeks of podcasts that, you know, are just waiting to be released, which is good. Always nice to have that backlog. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday. We'll be releasing it on a Tuesday. So Devin <laughs> and I have the opposite problem. Uh, but yeah, Luke, let's jump into your background. You know, why don't you share just a little bit with the audience? You know who you are, um, what you do at Phenom. Wh- how? Why'd you get into this? I mean, what what 
what was the start of your career? Like, how'd you get into this? Man, that's a, that's a crazy story, but I'm going to drop it on you just as quick as I can. So, uh, I have my heart. I'm, I'm a scrapper. I know a lot of people say like, you know, scrappers, that's me to a T. So I actually, uh, dropped out of college when I was 19 years old after only six weeks, uh, moved to Chicago and got a job at red lobster where, you know, every aspiring person should start right it's not a very glamorous job but it worked out really well for me and i really honed in on you know my people skills and also business skills in the restaurant industry so worked my way up at different restaurants in chicago fast forward i ended up waiting tables at a place across the street from career builders headquarters in chicago when i was like 25 and guys begged them literally begged them for a job it was like an eight week process they told me no six different times. And my whole thing was I kept coming back to them because I was like, well, why would you want to hire a salesperson that just takes your first no? Right. So finally, they, I think they realized that I wasn't going away. Um, they actually gave me the lowest level sales job that they have. I remember I was making like 200 cold calls a day and they put me at a desk where I was looking out the window, looking down at the restaurant that I used to work at. So when you talk about like motivation, like I was looking at where I was going to go back to and nothing wrong with waiting tables. But I mean, as you get older, you want your weekends and nights back and just a little uh, chance at a career. So basically, I mean, I knew that was my one shot. So I learned everything I could about the talent acquisition space, about recruitment, about why companies hire, about the challenges they face and really tried to dig in to their business initiatives or goals and the challenges that they have. Uh, from there, went to Monster. I worked at ADP for a little bit selling payroll, which was which is good. But for, for me, you can tell I'm a passionate guy. It's tough to get passionate about payroll. So I went right back in to staffing and recruiting. Uh, took a job as a, at a company called Teradin in 2015 that we started as a virtual company out in Washington, D.C. And then about a year later, actually got named CEO of that company, and I've maintained it. I actually took a step back to join Phenom People, and I still own 50% of that staffing firm. So it gives me a really unique perspective. Now, when I'm talking to folks about the challenges that they might be facing, they're really just the challenges that I face myself on an everyday basis. Sure. So it's a lot of fun to, uh, I don't know, to share those experiences with people and you know find, find that common ground together where we can fix those challenges. Do you find yourself frequenting Red Lobsters at all now, or is that completely like Man, there's, a, a thing of your past? There's one like half a mile away from where I live now in Virginia, and I haven't even gone there. It's been like yeah. I've lived to yeah, so close to it for like four years. I will say, I mean, huge shout out to Cheddar Bay Biscuits. They're delicious. <laughs> Love Love yeah, them. yeah, right. I mean, I could eat like a hundred of them right now. I feel like I, I I started my career with Red Bull. And, you know, very similar, like I fell into it and, uh, I can't even smell it now. Like I can't be around Red Bull at all. So I, I had to ask, you know, do, do you find yourself, uh, heading back to your old alma mater of, of uh, Red Lobster, but thank you so much for the background. I mean, I think that's such a great story. I love, I love the story of, uh, the element of the story where you're, you're looking down, you know, at, at where you came from, you know, I think it's just so important to always remember where we came from. So I'm glad you were able to kind of walk through that and, you also mentioned something that we really want to touch on in this episode, which is 
you know, really talking through some of the challenges that that the staffing industry might be facing right now. Um, new challenges, right? Like because we know that things have changed dramatically in the past uh, six to twelve weeks, and they're probably likely to change dramatically in the next six to twelve weeks as well. Sure, um, especially as states begin to reopen uh, as remote workers uh, start to head back to the office and try to sort things out and figure out what this quote unquote new normal is. Um, so you had mentioned, you know, uh, staffing RPO, like this is your area of, of uh, familiarity, you know, your area of expertise. This is the world in which you live in. Um, so I think we can just jump right in. You know, how, how have these, um, these areas been transformed over the past, you know, let's say two months um, it, from what you're seeing on the front lines. Sure. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's something completely different from what we saw during the great recession. And I mean, you think back to 2008, I mean, that was the problem then was that the banks happened to us, right? It was a problem that the banks had. It happened to us and then carried over to people's employment the economy, and then the companies that were serving them. This is completely different where it's something where it's us happening to the banks, right? So there's while there's a lot of similarities, especially when you look at the unemployment rate, uh, a lot of companies having trouble, it's a completely different ballgame because, you know, and I'll just come out and say it is because of money. Now you have companies where money is readily available and you can still make different business moves that you couldn't before during the Great Recession. And then another thing that I really find interesting is no one's no one in the staffing space, at least when it comes down to staffing recruiting, is getting absolutely crushed. Like nobody. I mean, sure. crushed is a relative term. You see folks out there that might be losing 10, 20, 30% of their revenue, which is horrible, but we're not seeing a lot of companies getting completely wiped out. So I guess the question is, well, why is Luke excited to talk about that? Like, you know, 30% is horrible and it is, but the difference is if we look at it in a positive light, it is a real opportunities for uh, companies to reinvent themselves, right? They might be down a little bit, but they're not out. And what we're seeing right now is that companies are realizing that and saying, okay, well, we still have these portions of the business that are chugging along, Let's put some more effort and intent into what we're doing on those business sides, and then we can come out on top of this. Uh, one thing that I'm noticing amongst all the companies that I talk to is the overwhelming sense of positivity that they have and the positive outlook for the future. You're not talking to folks and them saying, oh, well, you know, this is it. Let's throw in the towel. It's not that sentiment at all out there. They're ready to get back, and they think that there's a, you know, a lot of good things on the horizon for them, which is good. So, Luke, you, you mentioned there this is kind of an opportunity to reinvent yourself as an organization, right? I, I think that that could be taken in a number of different ways. What are some maybe success stories and, and some horror stories of companies working through this pandemic, trying to get people back to work? and reinventing themselves all at the same time. Sure. So I won't mention any names, but was talking to an organization actually, and I, it looked pretty bad right at the onset of everything when, we, when this pandemic started. Uh, but then they looked towards hiring telesales folks and saying, okay, well, how can we help different companies? Uh, it wasn't telesales. It was telephone customer service. It was basically for like the loan systems that are going out to everybody, Right. You look at unemployment right now, there's what, 30 million people 
getting unemployment. There's people going out for the payroll protection plan, these EIDL SBA loans that are out there. This, I mean, is just hammering down the government right now with so much work that they need to do. Well, people need to be employed to process all these applications, to have these conversations with folks. And so I've seen one company that went out there and really harnessed that and said, you know, this is an opportunity not not only for us to help people and help them in the economy, but build a portion of our business that maybe we weren't so good at before. Right. And now when they come out of this, now they're going to have that experience in this industry. They're going to have relationships formed with thousands. I mean, thousands of really good workers and employees out there that are already used to working for their company. And that's something where if you would have asked them that, you know, a year ago, hey, would this be a possibility? They probably would have thought everyone was crazy. But just from being forced to do it, now they're evolving and, and, you know, getting back to and reinventing themselves, they really have. And now they're seeing that positive momentum. Yeah, that's been something that we've been considering too a ton. We've been obviously talking to a lot of companies that have been reskilling uh, huge departments of their workforce. Devin and I have been really deep into our, our gigs feature, you know, which kind of allows you to democratize some of the projects that let you do that. Um, it really takes a lot of initiative and drive to want to do that, right? To want to move into a new space. And I think that what we'll probably see uh, is the companies that really succeed through all of this are the companies that embrace that pivot. Uh, so I'm curious if you've noticed, you know, you mentioned a, a positive outlook, you know, in a lot of the companies that you've been talking to. Uh, how much of that has played into success and failure so far? You know, just like being able to really motivate and mobilize your your, your teams and your approach uh, to be able to move in the right direction? You know, it's interesting. I think that people are really resting on their attitudes right now and to make sure that people know that they're okay and secure in the employment that they have, right? And let me back up. So there's two sides to that coin. If a company's employees are safe right now, they're letting them know that. On the other hand, if they're not, because, I mean, we can't ignore that we've seen tons of layoffs just across every industry in the world right now. We're seeing that a lot of really good companies are handling change management in a new way that other companies were really slow to do that, right? So what do I mean by that? So companies on the negative side, if they do have to downsize or lay anybody off, they're almost becoming professionals at uh, managing that change and keeping everybody informed so that they can make the best decision for them and their family. Now, that's huge. Like when you're running any type of business, conveying the bad is almost more important than it is to convey the good, right? So we're seeing a lot of leaders grow just from that aspect today. We're seeing a lot better relationships be developed with their employees, you know, whether it be goodwill or, you know, not so good because of the changes that are happening. But look at it this way. So when the staffing firms that we're talking to in RPO are looking at the economy right now, we're saying 30 million unemployed. This is terrible. But what happens when we go back? What happens when companies start rehiring again? What happens now? There's going to be goodwill and not so goodwill created amongst these employees. And now somebody that might be just an A plus employee, an A plus team member might be somebody else's A plus team member now. Because sure. guess what? It's a whole new ball game. Competition is everywhere. When you had 3% unemployment, you know, 
it wasn't so easy to move around. If we fire out like a gun out of this back to the economy, it's going to be an employee's market like we have never seen in history. It's it's interesting you, you say that, right? To, to fire out of the, the gun when, when things begin to turn around. Because uh, in my research for, for talking with you and, and uh, my brief background in staffing, if you'll call it that, um, it's oftentimes used as a barometer for the rest of the workforce, right? When we think about those sort of organizations, their product is people, right? They are yep. essentially selling candidates to organizations. Um, so when, when you talk about coming out firing, um, what are ways to do that when A-plus candidates can be A-plus candidates for multiple organizations, right? You have to think of, of candidates in the sense where they're not just going to talk to one organization. They're probably talking to mo- multiple, right? How do you become successful in that sense and, and really you know hammer home when things begin to turn around? Sure. It's about developing those relationships right now. You know, especially if there's been a bad, if there's bad blood out there right now between them and their former organization, which I mean, let's be realistic. There's going to be a lot of that happening, right? We mentioned about people are doing a great job with change management. You also see stories out there where people aren't doing such a great job at it. And these are big names out there that people really look up to as to be a prospective employer. Now, you have time where if you really focus on developing those relationships, once like the bullet comes out of the gun, as you know, we're, we're sort of saying, those are going to be the first people that those employees call, you know, as a prospective employee, employer moving forward. And so by developing those relationships now, we're finding that companies are really positioning themselves to have an amazing, you know, Q3, Q4 and then hopefully just be just fine once Q1 of 2020 or 2021 rolls around that they now have those relationships in place. I guess what I'm seeing amongst the companies that are doing just a really lights out good job at this is that they're leveraging the most out of the, how do I want to put this, out of the meaningful conversations that they can have with everybody, even if it doesn't make a revenue impact right now because they know that it's going to make a difference moving down the line. So I have one question, and I'm curious if you've come across this in some of your conversations in the past couple of weeks. But you know, as, as companies have been forced to, to take on new digital transformation, you know, so you have a lot of companies that were very much on-site, office environments, very tra- traditional. Uh, now that they have been forced to almost... Uh, migrate a lot of their workforce to being remote workers and finding new roles, responsibilities, tasks, et cetera. If, if they find that certain departments or certain areas thrive, right, in a remote setting, right, and, and, and really do well, and then it, you start to reimagine what your, your, your typical operations can look like, you know, if, if you basically down, downgrade the amount of people who need to come to the office, uh, and then maybe elevate certain areas where not only can you now have people work remotely, but you can scale, right? You can start to scale operations with with a new remote workforce that you never even dreamed of because you never had to think about it. And now you're forced into it. Um, do you think that's uh, kind of like adding additional um, 
I'm going to say muscle, <laughs> adding additional weight, you know, augmenting your staff, right. With remote workers is going to be uh, kind of an in-demand practice in more, in more ways than we've thought, you know, as we start to recover and as we start to come out of this. A hundred percent, hundred percent beneficial on both sides of the spectrum too. On one side, sure. you know, we're seeing companies that when we're talking to them, they're saying, you know what we're finding, just like you said, we're thriving. We're getting better production out of people working from home, right? You look at the other end of the spectrum. Now you have people that never had the opportunity to do this. And now they're really developing that skill of being accountable, working yeah. from home and making it work with their own work-life balance. You look at this and I mean, offices are expensive. Internet's expensive at any office. It's just flat out payroll and buildings and infrastructure is part of the most expensive parts of any business. And, you know, this shouldn't be left out. That payroll is so uh, intricately tied to that, you know, facility that you might have. Let's look at like just two places in the United States. Let's take San Francisco and St. Louis, right? They both start with the letter S, completely different cities. And imagine what it can do to a company's revenue when they say, you know what, not only might we, if they're in San Francisco, what if they have 10 times the candidate pool in St. Louis and they can actually pay them more money because they're used to making San Francisco dollars, but they can get a better deal, you know, comparatively by hiring more people out of the St. Louis market. What does that do? That makes a San Francisco company more profitable. It makes them more efficient and more productive. And then it raises the uh, living wage or the, uh, you know, it raises the economy in St. Louis at the same time. And I think we're going to just see, I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to see a ton of that moving forward. And I think it's going to be one of those new competitive advantages that companies with a lot of agility can, you know, leverage. They can pull those leverage levers, turn the knobs to wherever they want in the United States until they meet that magic equation. But I mean, yeah, we have some of the best workforce, probably the best workers in the world here in the United States. And to only be fishing out of one small pond in your backyard, especially, you know, I use San Francisco because it's like the most competitive pond on earth. You know, yeah. what yeah. does it do for a company to say, you know what, now our candidate pool isn't 5,000 people. Now our candidate pool is 5 million people. Yeah. And, and, and you know, likewise on the, on the candidate side, you know, you can now work for really fantastic companies, you know, where it was maybe not feasible because you weren't able to work for that company and afford maybe moving your whole family out there. That's right. Living expenses, you know, housing costs in San Francisco are ridiculous, you know. So I think that it, it, it's going to create such an interesting environment. Um, you know, uh, Devin, I don't want to, you know, not give you a chance to jump in. So feel free if you, if you have any uh, additional insights to that. But I'm just so curious, you know, in, in your uh, in your view, in your world, Luke, you know, like, is it, is it better for a company to, to experiment with this on their own? Or is this where leveraging, you know, a, a staffing or RPO organization, like makes more sense, you know, to jump into that experiment? I mean, I it will vary. Yeah, it's, it's going to vary. I guess it, I guess it all depends on what the type of risks that the company likes to take, sure. right? Yeah. If they're very risk adverse and they don't think it's going to work and that they, they don't know if they have the infrastructure, the leadership to actually pull this off a hundred percent, I would go the temporary staffing route. I would work with staffing firms because then you just have people on a set contract, right? You might be able to convert them over to full-time employees if you want, but at least you have that upfront agreement where you're like, Hey, you know, 
we're going to try this out, but it's six weeks. So there's going to be a decision. So we just want to make you aware of that. Right. Uh, but then you're going to have other people out there that, you know, aren't risk adverse that they're like, you know what, I can handle this and I want to do it. And I think that when they, when they jump back in there and they have a candidate pool of 30 million qualified people to choose from, it's also a big advantage to just jumping all in and doing it, you know? So, I mean, I guess it just depends on the, the, the leadership, the sea levels and how comfortable they are with risk. And that's going to, that's just going to vary all across the board. It's, it's interesting, Tom, because we often talk about technology on this podcast, making things more efficient, right? Whether it be sure. a chat bot, you know, kind of saving time. Now I'm thinking virtual interviews, skipping that step in the process where you have to awkwardly offer someone water. Uh, do they want the water? Do they not want the water? Is that a good sign? Is that a bad sign? All of this, this process that we've been built up to. Um, and we, you know, make we connect the dots a little bit here and say, Hey, this is all, you know, going to save you time, going to save you money. But when we think about remote workforce and thank you, Luke, for showcasing your ADP skills that you you know <laughs> mentioned in the beginning um, uh, around payroll. But when we think about having remote workforces in areas where cost of living is lower, um, you know, where the, the, overall aspect of life may be a little bit better and you can pay employees a little bit more um, can truly affect your bottom line just based on technology. I'm glad that you said if you want to dip a toe in the water with a you know an agency or something like that, see if it works, see if your workforce is able to do that. Great. If you want to dive in head first, even better. Um, you know, now is the time to experiment with technologies and different strategies. I think, um, since we all aren't working in the office, right, Tom, you and I typically sit right next to each other. Luke, I know that you are remote. Um, So we all work differently, but now we're all working separately. Um, And it's interesting to see how your workforce reacts and who can truly be productive when they're they're separated and, and what works for you as an organization. So I'm glad that we were able to put some some real life value behind kind of some of the things that we've talked about previously, Tom. So we mentioned the, the virtual meetings and things like that. We've talked about companies setting themselves up for success when it comes to the turnaround and, and firing out of a, a gun, an analogy that I don't know how we stumbled upon, but we <laughs> now have it here. Um, what, what technologies truly are going to make organizations successful um, for this turnaround? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what they are. I mean, this is, we are in the age right now where we are being forced. We absolutely have to integrate technologies that make people better at their jobs and make them more efficient. What we're seeing right now is that if we're going to operate any sort of company right now during a pandemic or even any economic downturn, everybody needs to be on the same page and they need to be executing on the simple tasks of their job perfectly. Now we're getting machine learning and AI to where now we can augment a person's everyday tasks with technology. So one of my sa- favorite sayings out there is that uh, com- common sense isn't common knowledge, right? Which means just because you think like, hey, this is obvious. All of my employees should be doing this. Guess what? Most of the time they're not. Most of the time it's just not shared and that information lives in another human. It might be a manager, a director, a C-level to some leader that's out there saying, hey, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing this. The technologies that we see being implemented right now, for example, are like automated email campaigns where it takes that common sense or that common knowledge out of it. 
right? If you're going to run an ex- um, a successful campaign where you're pinging somebody to maintain those relationships and have those meaningful conversations, this takes that common sense off of the employee's plate to be able to do that. And now they can just focus on having that meaningful conversation, which is what is why we hired a human being in the first place and what things that technology can't do. So really what we're seeing, like the giant trend is people putting in technologies that don't replace people. Like we're not looking at like an assembly line where robots are just making stuff instead of people. We're looking at offices where they're automating those tasks that need to be done the right way time and time and time and time again. Right. And if you can automate those and then let people actually you know, have those conversations or do the things that we hired them for. That is what is going to give a company the competitive advantage. Uh, we're kind of past that time now where you can just do like, I don't know, like, like a MailChimp and just e-blast everybody out. There was a time look like seven years ago where you could just load up like a list of a million people and fire out messages to them. And it was so new that like companies made money, like, uh, Hey, no harm, no harm to them. I mean, they're, they did. They made millions of dollars just doing this. We're desensitized by it. So it doesn't work that way now. Now we're shifting back towards, well, people want that human interaction. But where does the technology enhance that employee's ability to go out and make those relationships with people? So that's really what we're seeing right now is that technology is helping them facilitate these conversations and then using things like AI and machine learning to actually take out something that takes a long time. For example, I mean, I'm going to bring it back to the staffing space because that's, you know, just where I live every day and what I'm obsessed with. Searching for candidates takes forever. The bigger your company is, the more candidates you have in that pool. And then it just goes from taking forever to be actually being impossible. So if you do, let's say, customer service positions, and you have 5 million candidates in like an ATS system or a database, are you really going to look through 5 million people and just start calling them or emailing them? Like, no, that's impossible. So what do we do? We just go and we post it on Indeed or CareerBuilder or whatever, which is fine. But I mean, chances are you're probably paying for the same candidate you already have. And then it takes just as much time to call them, right? So we're really looking at that technology that helps the human make that connection where they don't have to waste 20 hours there's 20 hours of their work week just figuring out who to call or email in the first place. That was a long-winded I, response by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I think that's great because I I I want to kind of respond to that with with two quick things and then we'll start to wrap things up for this episode, but I think a lot of people are afraid or they enter into using AI and machine learning and chatbot technology and all these things. I think they enter into that with a little bit of trepidation because they don't want to replace the human experience with something that's automated, right? So yep. they're, I think they're afraid. And I, I spent uh, many years of my career in the email automation space. And, and I, I felt that too, where people were afraid to use autoresponders and automated email sequences because they didn't want them to feel robotic or pre-canned. And like the honest answer there is that the technology is getting so much better every single cycle, you know, and that cycle is not every year. That cycle is every four to six months. Like the technology is improving to the point where those experiences are starting to feel more like remarkable moments in in the candidate journey 
or the employee journey or what what have you in our space. Yep. Um, so I think that the technology is getting much better. So if you were you know entering t- into that with trepidation in the past, I, f- I feel like uh, as you start to experiment with it, you get more comfortable with it and you realize, hey, this really is providing a ton of value for the people interacting with the automated stuff. Um, but I think to your point, what, what, what you're mentioning, which I think is so crucial, is that when you're dealing with volume and scale, when AI and machine learning can really not create the moments, but elevate the opportunities for humans to create moments, like that's the bread and butter. You know, like that's that's the area where I think the technology really comes together with um, your own individual employer brand and strategy. You know, because like yeah. once you have the strategy in place and you know your brand left, uh, like, you know, the, the backside of your hand, um, all you need then is for the right tool to elevate the moments. And then you go out and create them. Uh, you build the relationships. You, you kind of make the magic happen at that point. So uh, I, I long-winded answer for sure, followed by a long-winded response from me. Uh, but I am 100% in agreement. Um, and, you know, we touched on so many different things in this conversation. Uh, Luke, we talked a little bit about your past, the, the state of staffing in RPO right now, what we anticipate in the future. We talked about technology and how, how it plays a role. Uh, one of the topics that I'm really interested in is this idea of the um, democratization of remote work. Uh, Josh Burson's been talking a ton about that, right? With uh, this, this article he put out in March, The Big Reset. He's been kind of adding on to that each, each, uh, every couple of weeks. So this is definitely something that's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to evolve. Uh, Devin, Luke, and I, uh, we actually talked about maybe jumping on and doing a, a webinar or a live stream in the coming weeks. Um, so what I'm going to suggest, uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you're interested in staffing uh, in the future of, of that industry, uh, subscribe to the podcast because what we'll do is is if we if we schedule that, we'll drop a quick trailer for it on the podcast. We'll make sure that you know when it is, where it is, how to how to sign up and how to join. Uh, because these aren't conversations that are one and done, right? Like these aren't conversations that we're going to encapsulate on a podcast episode on May 11th, 2020. And then they're going to be evergreen content that's going to live on and be relevant. This podcast will be irrelevant three to four weeks from now, right? And 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 it'll be, well, not your history, Luke. Your history will always be relevant <laughs> to me. But, Thank you. you know, like the, the industry is changing so fast. Technology is changing so fast. So what we want to do is we want to start the conversation, but we want to continue it. Uh, and we want to invite you to do that with us. Um, so uh, Devin and Luke, any final words uh, before we wrap things up? Luke, I just wanted to say thank you for joining. Uh, I really appreciated the the deep dive into your your LinkedIn profile, even though Red Lobster wasn't on there. Uh, that was a new fun fact. Uh, shout out Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Um, but no, this this was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I, I learned a bunch as well. So, so thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom and Devin, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, thinking about me. Uh, very grateful that you had me out here. And uh, to all the listeners out there, yeah, I hope that you got a lot out of this. And just my number one word of advice is that that competitive competitive advantage comes out of just reinventing yourself and your team sometimes. You know, so we're at that point in time right now where we can actually do that. We can take a step back, look at how uh, we personally as humans can be better, and how we can use technology to augment that. You'll get better results. That's the competitive advantage. Uh, if you're not doing it now, then you'll be trying to catch up with other people later. So that's just my uh, my advice out there to listeners. 
Yeah, I love it. And and I can already say I know one way that humans can get better, and that's by tuning into the Bo and Luke show. Um, so I'm going to encourage everybody to check that out. Again, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Luke, other than the, the podcast, is there anything else um, that you've been doing online? Is there any way that our listeners can keep tabs on you, follow you, connect with you? Yeah, follow me on uh, LinkedIn. It's Luke Carignan. It's C-A-R-I-G-N-A-N. It's a weird last name, but there's probably only one of me on LinkedIn, I think. Uh, yeah, Luke at the Bow and Luke Show as well. And you can check us out online at the Bow and Luke Show. And if you if you want to be a guest on there, uh, we have a little form you can fill out and we'll talk to you. You know, if you have an interesting story, we want to hear from you. So I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So check out the show notes. We'll, we'll make sure we put all the relevant stuff in there. As always, I want to thank you so much for your time and attention. I want to thank you for joining us on the Talent Experience Show. Head on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, we should be there. If we're not there, let us know so we can definitely make sure we rectify that. Hit subscribe so you get notified each week. Uh, Definitely hit subscribe because if we do do a follow-up webinar live stream, we want to make sure you hear about it and we'll put that into the podcast feed. Uh, we never solicit reviews, Devin, uh, but maybe we should start doing that. We might if you're to. really enjoying this show, and I'm really enjoying uh, co-hosting this show, and I've really enjoyed the time with Luke. So if you are enjoying this show, uh, definitely head on over to Apple Podcasts and, and give us an honest rating and review. Um, it doesn't have to be five stars. You know, Feedback really helps us continue to improve. Uh, so definitely drop that in there. And if this was the episode you listened to, give us a quick shout. Give Luke a quick shout. Uh, but we always appreciate uh, that kind of feedback so we can, we can make the show better. Um, we're looking forward to bringing on more and more voices from inside and outside of Phenom. So if you know any great guests, let us know. Uh, we're happy to reach out to them as well. We want to keep having the conversations uh, that are relevant to HR, HR tech, uh, as we continue to navigate some uncharted waters. I mean, this is very uh, unique scenarios that we find ourselves in. And we find that the best way to really keep our finger on the pulse uh, is to have these great conversations and continue to form these relationships. Uh, so Devin, Luke, thank you so much for joining. And uh, we will catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.